everyone. I hope you've been well. I am not entirely sure when the last time we got to record an episode for this podcast was, but I am very happy to be back. I am your host for the Sockdom Asia podcast. My name is Cassie. Hello, and I am Carlo, co-hosting. And our guest today, I feel like um, the topic that we're going to be speaking with her about today is going to be of a special interest to our listeners who enjoyed the last episode because today we're going to be talking all about the restoration of the legal system in a wave of democratization. So let me speak in English. So we're going to be talking all about the transformation of the legal system and of the rule of law in a society that's transitioning from dictatorship into democracy. So I am so excited to get into this. The case that we'll be talking about specifically is the case that happened in Indonesia. And I'm very excited to welcome our guest. She is a member of the Inter-Pacific Bar Association and a member of Law Asia and of Peradi Jakarta. Um, we know her as a friend of Sakdam Asia, um, having interacted with her through the international relations bodies of the NASDEM Party Central Board. And a little bit of a fun fact, I, I'm going to ask her about this once we bring her in, but I think that she studied here in the Philippines, like she took further studies here in the Philippines. But without further ado, I would very happy to welcome our guest, Sondang Tampubolon. Welcome to the program, Sondang. Thank you for having me today. Oh, yes, That's we're very happy. Yes. Wait, so like I mentioned earlier, um, there's a bit of a tidbit about you that I would like to confirm that you, you pursued some studies here in the Philippines. Ah, yes, I took my master's degree in law in San Beda in the mm, Philippines. Mm, and uh, currently, I'm also trying to finish my doctorate, my PhD degree there. Well, shout out to all of our listeners who might be affiliated with Sanbeda. We have a fellow of yours on our episode today. So, Sondang, like I said earlier, we're going to be talking all about democratic transition the and the rule of law in relation to that. So, because we are talking about the case in Indonesia, I think that it's very important for our listeners to get a bit of a background first. So, would you could you share with us and also for the listeners what the rule of law was like during the regime of Suharto? Okay, uh, Suharto, as we all know, that uh, he's ruling Indonesia government for 32 years. Yeah, we call his uh, era is the New Order period, which is started from 65 to 98. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I think during his time, we have around six times elections, and then uh. Uh, the government is trying to recover immediately after the end of the era of uh, the first of President Sukarno leadership. Uh, the direction of the government is aiming for uh, the restoration of the legal authority free from political interests and goals. And then uh, the system of the government in the new order era was presidential uh, with a Republican form of government and uh, the 1945 uh, constitution as the basis of the applicable constitution. During the new order period, there were many political and economic changes. And uh, the new order government used the concept of uh, Pancasila democracy. <clears throat> uh, the main vision of the new order government is to apply the value of Pancasila and uh, 1945 constitution purely and consistently in aspect of Indonesian people, uh, people's lives, yeah. Uh, 
because in the old order, uh, communism and uh, ideas contrary to Pancasila has spread. I think it's most of the country during that time, yeah, uh, having the same uh, problems. And then uh, some of the methods of uh, indoctrination, uh, indoctrination Suharto uh, is uh, are uh, implementing teaching, like implementation of guidelines for implementing and practicing Pancasila in schools. So like me, when I was uh, uh, during my elementary childhood until I was graduated from law school, I always uh, get this uh, Pancasila guideline and implement and implementation in my schools. And uh, Suharto allowed also the community to form organization on the condition that they use uh, Pancasila principles. And I think it's until now. Uh, and then a uh, banning criticism that brings down the government on the grounds of state stability. So the five years uh, development plan, because uh, during Suharto time, he made uh, five years uh, program yeah, uh, proposed by the government uh, starting in uh, 69. It's also highlighted uh, the vital role of law for economic development. So in the draft of the development plan, it is explained how the lack of uh, action in legal aspect will make economic development useless. So this is based on the on our constitution, which states that Indonesia is a country based on law, not on power, under new order condition, which wants to achieve economic development where regulation can be used to actually manipulate the society in national economic life. So the engineering here means how a law can shape a society according its purpose. So. And then uh, some of the laws and regulation needed to support economic development, uh, which is uh, include uh, a form uh, of business uh, entities, patent, trademarks, and copyrights that uh, it happens during Suharto times. And then uh, transportation and security, telecommunication and tourism, and uh, procedures for the use ownership and use of the land. So we have uh, our new uh, land regulation also during Suharto's time yeah. mm -hmm. so <clears throat> a lot uh, a lot uh, a good thing actually happening also yeah during his time so indonesia is uh, indonesia's economic developed rapidly in the new order era uh, i think it, it could be understand yeah because you know uh, in suhar sukarno time uh, we are still uh, fighting our independence, right, from the colonialization, uh, first from the Dutch and then after that, uh, the Japanese. So it's about the fighting how to get the uh, Indonesia uh, independence. And then after that, I think it's almost every institution and uh, government having the same difficulties yeah, when they are about to form a new country. And uh, so that's why in Sukarno times, uh, there's not much uh, happening in regards to our economic uh, development. So although uh, during Suharto time, although rampant corruption practice accompany it, the country's uh, politics and economy are also strengthening uh, do, uh, through some uh, of his policies. 
Uh, however, this condition this uh, declined in 97 when the monetary crisis occurred. It was uh, this crisis that made the government lost uh, the people's trust. So that Suharto, as a president, resigned on May 98, ending the new order rules. So uh, about the six times uh, election that I mentioned uh, before, the principle of the elections uh, at the time was direct, general, free, and secret. So at the time, uh, but then uh, for unfortunately, at that time, Suharto is also uh, made uh, issued uh, one uh, regulation, uh, which is Law Number no. Three, uh, 1975. Uh, about simplification of political parties because during Sukarno time, we have 118 contestants. So it's not only political party, but it's a mass organization in, and also individual can uh, participate yeah, in the election in the election. So. <clears throat> So uh, at that time, yeah, the during Suharto time, so it's only uh, three parties uh, participate in the election. Two is the two is political party. One is Golongan Karya. So Golongan Karya is already mentioned. Golkar is already mentioned in the in the uh, in the regulation, and also PDIP and PPP. Mm-hmm. So. All the 118 before is merged yeah, into three uh, uh, participants for the election started 1971. So the simplification mm-hmm. of the political parties was President Suharto's policy. Uh, is aimed at political stability in Indonesia. Uh, in addition to uh, the dual function of Uh, Abri, our uh, uh, what did it call? Yeah, Abri is our state defense. So it's like the the police uh, uh, and also the army and navy and and uh, also the the air. Yeah, together uh, the state military. So uh, they have two functions. Yeah, in the in our state before. Uh, first is the military force, and uh, the other is le- regulator of the state government. So they are everywhere. They were everywhere before uh, uh, the military force. So uh, the ABRI, uh, the military, uh, can become members of the uh, parliament also without having to take part in election. So it's a direct Uh, appointment from mm-hmm. Suharto, so which allows uh, members to get seats in government. Uh, this the three-party rule makes it difficult, yeah, for other Indonesian people and uh, uh, who are civilians uh, to participate in politics. So that's uh, during the Suharto times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that can you also discuss because you already mentioned that at yeah. the end of the at the tail end of the Suharto uh, government there was of yeah. course um, there was rampant corruption yes and also you touch on like there's issue on the because there's this limiting of only three parties no 
yes, so basically yes. stifle the people's choices on 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 the politicians or people yes. that they want to represent. Can you describe yeah. like what was the situation like during the last few years when this was happening and why do you think there was uh -huh. this surge in popular sentiment that okay maybe we should have maybe this yeah. should be the end and let the end of the government uh, the the regime and maybe we should transition yeah. into multi-party yeah. democracy uh, first time during his regime uh suharto uh he's made a very good impression to indonesian people because he's uh making every five time five years a plan for the economic uh development in indonesia so he he really think about the design about that design during that time but unfortunately at the same time also he's limited uh the participation yeah in the election so the democracy is not uh 100% yeah happening in indonesia during his time so like uh, we have the law number 3 1975 which is mentioned about uh only three parties could uh uh could campaign could go for the election which is one pdip two ppp and the third is uh, golongan karya so the other 100 uh, so before uh, in suharto time we have 118 participants uh, uh 118 is uh, consists of political party and also for uh, individual and uh, mass organizations so they were merger blend uh during suharto time and then becoming two three okay at first uh, i think people can accept that but then uh after three to four times uh suharto's period the corruption is getting worse uh we can see that uh all the minister is not doing good for the country so uh many of the students like myself uh were thinking like uh, well if he's only ruling three times yeah maybe we we really have a better economy development because uh after the sixth time period of his uh ruling we start to fruit uh, the worst uh of the effect yeah of uh, Suharto, which is uh, happening, uh, which is becoming the uh, economic crisis. And this economic crisis is the worst in Indonesia, because during that time, uh, there's a uh, chaos, yeah, many, many uh, you know, like uh, rape happen, and then a burning of the stores of the Chinese, and then uh, all the uh, Chinese Indonesian uh uh to be forced uh going abroad just to rescue themselves because uh uh pribumi i think uh, uh during that time we we called uh, non chinese we called ourselves pribumi it's just like in malaysia bumi putra and then uh, and uh, we separated the chinese chinese uh, sometimes they are indonesian sometimes they're not so it's uh, it's unclear and uh and uh, the economic is really in favor in in our in the pribumi eyes the economic 
in favor to the Chinese and we are always poor. Uh, and Suharto uh, is really only uh, supporting the rich, not to the poor. And uh, I think in 1997, during the crisis, because I think US dollar before is only around 1,500 rupiah or 2,500 rupiah, I, I forgot, per US dollar, and then increase into 15,000 And uh, uh, many unemployed, many un unemployment, and uh, we have no money. And they have no money to buy the food. They can also educate uh, the children. They cannot pay the tuition fee, and uh, they cannot even uh, pay for the transport uh, fee, even using the bus, you know, and the small uh, mass transportation. And everything is very expensive and during that time i think the people get angry to uh, suharto and uh, uh, also the student yeah get affected yeah uh, when i was uh, in the university i think that's during my last uh, period uh, in my school in my university and i saw many of my friends they cannot have a proper meal because the parent cannot send uh, money to them Uh, so a lot of them also staying in my place during that time. So we share rice and everything. And uh, I think because of that also, uh, I decided to join the movement. And every all the students uh, decided to join the movement. And it started from uh, UI, yeah, I think in Jakarta. I think the leader is Martin before. So because uh, I know Martin from that time, Carlo. <laughs> yes, yes, and we we are very lucky to have him there along with Willy, Willy Aditya. I know him also during that uh, uh, our movement in 1998. So both of them, uh, because Willy is staying in Jogja, Martin in Jakarta, and I was in Bandung during that time. So we met in a very big event. We know each other from that time. Yeah. Uh, can you describe like the like the when the the you know the dictatorship or rather Suharto uh -huh. decided decided to resign? What was the feeling at that time in terms of uh, did students, did uh, business people who were supporting the you know a new type of more democratic government? Did they feel like uh -huh. it would mean uh, a curbing in corruption in abuses? Did you yes. how did you see it would transpire? Yes. I think uh, about the corruption, yeah, we, we actually saw it a long time before, but because there's no crisis happening before, there's no big trigger during that time, right? And then when we start also to talk, we will get arrest. We will get killed before. But then because uh, the crisis uh, came, so it will, and, and then it was making you know the same understanding the same uh willing yeah from all of the student in all over indonesia to move together and we don't care anymore if we will be just uh, get caught or killed we don't care anymore during that time all we wanted is just to get rid of the corruption government take him out and then uh, making the new uh, era of the government and make everything transparent And 
during that time also, I mean, Rais, I think so. Yeah, he's a part. He, I think he's, so he was the one of the MP during that time. And uh, he saw uh, that the movement will be getting bigger, will be big. And uh, of course, uh, he's joining the movement and he claimed that the student uh uh it's uh that the the movement the suharto regime go down is because of him mm-hmm. because he's uh, i think he saw yeah that our movement is going to be very big and make uh, suharto go down so he uh, automatically joining us <laughs> mm-hmm. so and then uh, we are facing the military during that time and uh, but i think not all military also uh uh together yeah because if they were together of course yeah, all of us will be killed right but i don't think they are also 100% maybe because because many of their children also go go to the street yeah doing the movement yeah and i i, I suppose they also are also affected yeah. by economic you know yes. corruption everyone's affected yes. by that Yes, yes. Uh, especially those who is in a grassroots, yeah, in a very low level. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Sondang, I want to ask a little bit about um, how the changes came about in Indonesia's government. So you mentioned that the new order regime ended, but that doesn't mean that corruption automatically went away or that um, like very significant military presence in places outside of the military didn't immediately go away. So could you tell us a little bit about what life was like and also um, rule of law even? like So for example, were people able to have access to justice or access to legal assistance in the time when the new order had, the new order regime had just ended and the oh. country was moving towards democracy or towards a dem- more democratic form of government? Yeah. Well, uh, the reform order after the new era order, uh, it's making the legal system uh, much better, especially after the creation of the Constitutional Court and Corruption Eradication Commission. But that not happening uh, instantly yeah, in Megawati time. No, it's after, after her. Uh, I, I think the, uh, the, the function of the military is also shrinking by uh, Gusdur, in Gusdur era. And then the Corruption Eradication Commission made during uh, SBY time. But that period we called uh, 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 reformacy, I think, yeah, the reform, the reform era. Mm-hmm. So because we create the constitutional court, so everyone could just uh, 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 fight against the law if the law is contradicted uh, with the constitution by any citizen. By any citizen, we can we can just uh, contest, yeah. To so, for example, the government making a specific uh, regulation law, but then uh, uh, some community get affected with that law. Then this community can go to the constitutional court to contest. 
and uh, asking to asking uh, the regulation to be cancelled and uh, and i can i can i can share you that our constitutional court judge is a very good one here starting from the first until now mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so uh, the indonesian legal entities who feel that they have been affected by losses due to this law can just contest to the uh, constitutional court and the corruption the KPK, we call it KPK, Corruption Eradication Commission, uh, is also a function for preventive measures so that corruption does not occur because they can uh, set a wire to the transfer uh, to the uh, uh, to the phone of the potential suspect, and also they can just. Uh, you know, uh, do whatever necessary to just check uh, if uh, the suspect is really doing the corruption or not. And they can just caught uh, whoever uh, the person is if uh, KPK feel that oh, he's doing uh, corruption crime. Uh, so so this, this anti-corruption uh, body has wiretapping yeah. and surveillance uh, capabilities. So they don't need. Yes. They don't need permission from the court. They can do it on their own. Uh, uh they don't need. They don't need uh, special special from the court before. Oh, okay. but now I think there's some changing uh, uh regulation that yeah. will need uh, the court order. But it's not gonna be difficult. Also. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And uh. Coordinating with the agency is also implementing the corruption crimes and agency task uh, with the implementing public services. Yeah, so many of the mayor and regent uh, get caught during this time, <clears throat> and uh, uh, monitoring of the administration of the state government as well. And uh, supervision agencies are implementing uh, the eradication of corruption crimes. And uh, like I told you before, investigation and prosecution of corruption crimes and action to implement judge and court decision that have obtained permanent legal force. So it's better, yeah, uh, in this time because it's more transparent. And if they caught someone, they will be just announced it <laughs> immediately. So so uh, it's good, yeah, it's good. Uh, that we have uh, this body in our yeah in our institution yeah um so now I want to ask a little bit about the or about the process so for example was what were the things that um government had to do to put these things in place and like was it easy or was it difficult because um. This is very relevant information for some uh, of our yeah. listeners, especially yeah. those who are working in places where there really needs to be a transformation in government. So maybe yeah. they have an opportunity that came from a recently won election, and so now they have the chance to let, like, to, to use a term to clean up, to clean up house. So can you tell us a little bit about how Indonesia cleaned up house? 
<laughs> well, uh, until now, Indonesia is still cleaning up, yeah. <laughs> but uh, now we are no longer number one. <laughs> <laughs> now we are no longer number one. And I think it's good also when uh, KPK caught someone uh, and they announced it. Uh, so it's uh, it's actually lesson learned yeah, for whoever willing to do the same. They will be very careful mm. because they will be under... Uh, you know, supervise. And uh, uh, right now, it's not only even KPK. We have, we have also ombudsman. So, mm. yeah, ombudsman uh, for all civilian, all, all Indonesian citizen, yeah, who would like to, you know, uh, make, a, make a complaint about uh, uh, local government uh, regulation, they can go to ombudsman. And ombudsman mm -hmm. also can... Uh, you know, uh, make a letter of uh, uh, punishment or uh, to the local government. And uh, of course, yeah, it's not uh, the local government can ignore. But once the ombudsman announced, then no one will vote for him anymore, right, in the next election. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's very good. And for the KPK, uh, they can start working once they get a hint. So uh, for the very big project, yeah, KPK is always involved. Always, right. Yeah, uh, right. like even Jokowi, when he uh, uh, start uh, uh, form his uh, cabinet, he share uh, the names uh, of the potential candidate to KPK and KPK do the background checking. So if okay from KPK, then uh, so whoever now seated in the minister, it's already have a go from KPK before. Mm. All right. You mentioned much earlier in the episode about how um, freedom of the press and freedom of expression was very limited um, during some period of the Suharto regime. Could you yes. tell us a little bit about um, what happened to the people who were speaking out and the unfavorably in the government like were they thrown in jail etc and what changes there have been for people expressing their opinions which may or may not be for the government in the present okay uh before if we try to uh anti-government the government will definitely put uh, put it put it us in jail yeah they will be just saying that we are anti-Pancasila. Mm. So they will be just using that regulation, that law, to attack us, whoever who uh, will be uh, speak freedomly, uh, or only to make a comment on a government project. They will make sure that uh, nobody can do it. So that's during so hard time. But then after that, it's more open. Uh, but I think I cannot, uh, uh, we cannot claim that it's 100% now uh, transparent or open or free. No, uh, we have also still, ha we still have any, uh, we still have challenges into this uh, uh, transparency. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about, like as a legal as a legal professional, do you, can you yeah. share your opinions about how the situation might be improved, like for improving democratic freedoms or even just freedom of speech? 
Um, as of now, I think uh, now uh, we are more free to talk, of course, yeah, rather than before. But uh, we have also some uh, challenges. Uh, like, you know, we have a new regulation, information and elect uh, electronic transaction, uh, uh, transaction law. Mm -hmm. And uh, due to this law, we have multiple interpretation. So if someone uh, say bad things about maybe the police yeah, uh, in social media, they will get caught, right? The police will be just saying that oh, uh, he's trying to, uh, he's uh, uh, against the ITE law. Mm -hmm. But but maybe if someone else who have a very good, uh, very high position talking about the same issue with different language, then she will be just released <laughs> because she has the position. Because yeah, uh, yeah because we have multiple interpretation of this uh, uh, imp implemented of this uh, electronic transaction law. That's mm -hmm. one one uh, sample. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, and also, I think we still have also the same uh, challenge that the use of political authority to dissolve community organization that disagree with Pancasila and lawsuit against two. Uh, be, uh, be, uh, we are also have one case just recently, uh, lawsuit against two academics who were expert witness in corruption cases. So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Jokowi, uh, Jokowi uh, scheduled uh, go to Solo before, uh, and then uh, at the same time uh, we have uh, the student demonstrated mm -hmm. uh, 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 when uh, President Jokowi working visit to uh, their campus and. Uh, the opposition as a counterweight uh, is also unable to play uh, its role significantly. So one of the fact uh, of the current decline, uh, there's no civil liberties. It's not 100%. Lah. That's mm -hmm. the arrest, uh, uh, describing by the arrest of the several student activists in Solo during the Jokowi uh, working visit to their campus. And uh, on also, I think maybe you also see about the Papuan, yeah? Mm. Yeah, they're also having the same uh, problem, yeah. Yeah, so thanks so much, Sondang, for all of these sharings about uh, the journey of, the, of rule of law in Indonesia. And also, yes. I think it's really important also how you also spoke about the challenges that the that the system is still facing even at the present. And I think that's so important for our listeners because like you said, you're still cleaning up house. So there is no perfect yes. government, but there yes. is the journey, there is the striving towards it. Yes. And then uh, uh, I think one uh, other important point also, uh, the coalition of our government now is too big. Yeah. Mm. So the opposition can't do anything, right? Mm -hmm. So any budget can just push through. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's not. Uh, it's not. It's not good for democracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because democracy should be balanced, right? The, the check and balance should be really good in 
in a very good uh, country and it, it, so that's what happening to us uh, currently because uh, before the coalition jokowi is only four to five uh, political party i think four yeah four, or five now it's almost everyone except a democrat and pks mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not good <laughs> yeah um so that mention that you made about the flaws in the system that prevent um any that prevent the representation of all of diverse views so the way that you described it is that the system allows for like the minority view at least in this in this case it's the opposition that they can't really be effective because of the way the system is designed so do you think that there do you think that that is an issue that should be urgent or is there any input that you would have about what can be done to remedy it okay so i think we should have coalition permanent so uh, then uh, you know the one who lost cannot uh, just jump in mm-hmm. to the yeah to another ship and becoming the ship v- uh, bigger mm-hmm. uh, and for the smaller cannot fight right mm-hmm. so the coalition should be permanent once it's, it's registered that a coalition then they could not uh uh you know add another political party joining the lose the losing party because so it's unlike, not- I, are you saying like something that's not because I, i i feel like the your system is almost like the same in the philippines like if the yeah. president wins then the everyone wants to go join the yeah you know? uh, yeah so yeah. whoever wins stick to the coalition something like that. yes mm-hmm. and whoever lost stick to the Uh, opposition. opposition yeah because that's uh with with that's with that scheme then the people will be have a benefit yeah and yes, uh, uh, and then other thing is uh the formulation of the uh president threshold and also parliament threshold mm-hmm. yeah if we have to be very careful uh to formulate it, it not only because it's going to be benefit for your political party no it should be for whoever so mm-hmm. like, like uh, now indonesia a uh, parliament threshold we have 4% and uh, president threshold we have uh, 20% so it's very difficult yeah uh, for a political party uh, now it's only pdip who can run uh itself for the campaign other political party they they forced to be coalition mm. yeah and uh, and uh, for the parliament threshold uh it's good to simplifying yeah the parliament because the more also uh, it, it's uh, it's not good for the stability of the uh, political party but uh not too high just to you know uh erase your competition that's not good also mm-hmm. so this 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 uh, two thing is actually the root of everything mm-hmm. the president threshold and the parliament threshold mm-hmm. because uh if you setting up like uh okay we make a parliament threshold this 
percent this percentage because we know that <laughs> we can uh, achieve that. So no more competition. And then if there's no more competition, it's a big possibility you will be ruling the country, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's we should be very careful. And uh, I think uh, most of the Indonesian people, especially the students, should be aware about this potential uh, challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In our uh, uh, elections. And uh, especially now in Indonesia, everything is the same time. President election, legislative election, and then few months later is the local election. Wow. Yeah. And it's uh, it's really tiring. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, Sondang, thank you so much. So, I really love these ideas and I hope that yeah. the students in Indonesia can hear this podcast and be aware yeah. of things that they need to watch. Yeah. We've covered we've covered a great deal about um the changes in rule of law from dictatorship yeah. to democracy in Indonesia. Yeah. And so thank you so much for sh- sharing your time and sharing your expertise. Absolutely. So we've now come to the part in the podcast where we're going to give you the floor now. So we give this to all of our guests. And so if there's anything that you're working on, if you have a book or any kind of even activity or a campaign that you would like to highlight or even just a message, we give you the floor to address the listeners of our program. Okay. Uh, from me is... Uh, everyone, especially student, yeah, uh, you should be very aware about the democracy, uh, about the democracy in your country. You should learn how the structure, how they implementing it, and you should be uh, part of it, especially if you uh, will be soon having the rights to vote. Because uh, whatever you vote is going to you know decided where your government will goes and uh, not only screaming in social media but do something join join to the to the movement to whichever political party uh, you think uh, have the same ideology uh, with you so not only sit down and watch yes i understand that uh, to find money Good job is good for you, for your life. But remember, those who is in politics and those who is seated in the member of the parliament is the one who is who will be controlling your life <laughs> in your country. So don't forget about that. So yes, one rich uh, person in a village, he can just throw the money and then give uh, away the money during the uh, Hari Raya yeah, or Christmas or New Year, but it will not change uh, the life of the people there in that village. But one appointed barangay, he can change the life yeah, in that village because he can make a good rule in favor for the people or bad rule in favor for him and his supporter. So that's my advice to everyone. Thank you. All right, Sondang, thank you so much. It was really so, I really enjoyed speaking with you and I really learned a lot. Thank you. Likewise. All right, Sondang, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thank you. 
I hope that all of our listeners enjoyed this episode of our podcast. I hope that you appreciated the connect that I tried to make with the last podcast. If there's anything that you would like to comment, please feel free to reach us on our email and even on our social media. But until the next time, Sondang, it was so nice having you with us. We hope to see you very soon and we want to thank yes. you for joining us today. Yes, thank you, Cassie. And also thank you, Carlo, yeah, for hosting this podcast and it's very interesting to yes. have a conversation with you today. I love I love hearing from uh, professionals working in their fields because I love hearing the recommendations. So I really enjoyed her comments about um like turncoatism or party switching because like we have that problem here. Yeah. It's almost the same if if for our listeners who've been listening through a lot of the guests, no, it's mm-hmm. it's almost the same trend. It's a lot of the problems that they face of the different countries. They have the same political par- uh, problems here. I really appreciate the um. How do I say this? There was there was mention of the two different narratives that come out when you're talking about dictatorship because there's the argument that. The economy was up and like peace and stability or peace and order was up. And then that is true. While there's also the other thing that's true, wherein you weren't allowed to speak out about the government, you would get thrown in jail. And that there were people who, even if the economy was in a good place, they were still having an extremely hard time living from day to day, not to mention the corruption. So yeah. I really appreciated that both of those things came out because I think that that's something um, people in this day and age, I'm just, that's my way of trying to refer to everyone having to live through these extraordinary times that yeah. these are things that different people experienced. And it's not necessarily that, you know, for one thing to be true, another thing has to be false. Like all of these um, things yeah. happened, but that doesn't mean that like the call for reforming rule of law or for justice should not come about. Yeah, it's a it's a more nuanced view of authoritarianism. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. If yeah. you think about it, if authoritarianism is so evil, then why is it why do authoritarians last long in in, mm-hmm. in office, right? So mm-hmm. it means there's mm-hmm. some level of popular support or popular consent that we're not, for progressives, you have to understand that there has to be a reckoning for for authoritarians, but it must come with, or in our case, it has to be with popular support on for our side, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly, so, exactly, yeah. Like, I think that that's something that we've had to contend with here in the Philippines because, like, with our own cases of um, being a post-dictatorship society, like there's like a very there's like um a point that goes around a lot about how a lot of the abuses that happened during the dictatorship were perpetrated against a minority. And when I say minority, I'm talking about how um like they're the people that were targeted during the dictatorship. This wasn't the general population. It was a very specific population. And if you go up to an average reasonable person who is like not necessarily a progressive, they might not even know who the progressive groups are. They really, you know what I mean? It's not really going to um, make a drop in the bucket for them because, you know, they knew that bad things happened in the dictatorship, but their understanding. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And so I think like that's one of the challenges. Like like you said, it's important to secure popular support 
for progressives. So we're getting away from ourselves. We're starting a whole new episode. Yeah. So I want to thank all of our listeners. And so, Carla, wait, sorry. You were saying. No, no. Go ahead. Yeah, so we're getting away from ourselves and we're starting a whole new episode in this post-episode for Sondang. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed what we talked about today. And, you know, maybe me and Carla will consider spinning out this discussion that we're having into a whole episode. But we want to know what you think. And so please reach us, reach out to us through the Facebook page of Saklam Asia, the email address on the Spotify page. We would love to hear all of your reactions, violent, nonviolent, and positive. So until the next time we record an episode, this has been a pleasure hosting this program for you. I am your host and my name is Cassie. And I'm Carlo. It's also a pleasure uh, having this discussion with you, Cassie. And mm-hmm. don't forget to follow us on our Facebook account and other our other socials, and also subscribe on the uh, subscribe our uh, page on Spotify. The yes, please rate our episode. Please rate our podcast. Yes. Five stars. Yes. Five stars. <laughs> yes. So until our next episode, please take care of yourselves. We'll see you real soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.